Are you looking forward to life post-pandy? What's your post-pandy going to be like? As the pandemic, hopefully, and it is a big hopeful, let's keep that in mind, how many curveballs have been thrown our way already. We've got some great numbers coming in. Toronto now, 30%, hitting the 30% mark on two doses, which is pretty awesome. When Sunday we got that huge mass vaccination clinic going on at Scotiabank. They just announced another 5,000 spots for that. So if you're looking for your second dose, you can get right on that. Uh, and here's something that's great, that's really fantastic, is that Scotiabank Arena, and this is for all you Leaf fans, uh, Scotiabank Arena, for the first time, well, ever since it's been called that, will be hosting a second round of anything. So sports, comedy, for you there. Okay, thanks. Sorry. Uh, back to the news. Back to my core competency. Um, new polling suggests that 52% of Canadians uh, report feeling some level of anxiety and unease about getting back into life the way it used to be. And those between 18 and 24 show the highest levels of unease at 68%. Laura DeVoe is a behavioral scientist and joins me on the line with uh, some perspective, trying to help me understand this. Hi, Laura. How are you? Good. Thanks, Alan. How are you? Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm just like everybody. I'm a little anxious about elements of going back. What, what do you see as the big trigger for anxiety for people? Uh, it really boils down to habits. And let me unpack that for people because I'm right there with you. I'm one of those people who, on one hand, is so excited about the possibility of, you know, progress and reopening. And on the other hand, um, once that sort of excitement settles in, some anxiety around, wait, how do I do this again? And, and what it boils down to is habits. Um, and if we think about habits, let's go with the easy ones, brushing your teeth, um, you know, getting dressed, pulling the covers over you when, when you get into bed at night. We don't think about those things. They're automatic. It doesn't take any mental energy. Um, it doesn't create any anxiety for us because it's just something that we do as a matter of course. Um, what's happened over the course of the pandemic is that a lot of things that were habits that we never had to think about all of a sudden are front of mind because over time, um, we either haven't flexed those muscles at all or not to the same degree we used to before. And any time that you need to build a new habit or reestablish a habit, it's going to bubble up to your stream of consciousness. And then all of a sudden it creates um, an environment where we're thinking about it. The more we think about it, the more opportunity there is to introduce a little anxiety. Okay. So then how do you, how do you combat that? What a perfect question. There's a couple of things I can offer to people as a starting point. The first is asking yourself the question, um, is this something I want to do? So some of the big examples we're hearing about is, you know, do you want to socialize with anyone? Um, most people would answer yes to that. So when you can answer yes to a question, it's just about asking yourself then, how do I want to do this? Um, and what what components do I need um, to start with? So it's not going to be a full on sprint. We're not asking, nor are we even able to go to a, you know, a packed concert, but start with what you're comfortable with. Um, and if you ask yourself the question, do I want to do this? And your answer is no, then you, you're able to cross that off the list. 
Um, once you've decided that you want to do something and you can define the how, think about how you're going to initiate that habit as opposed to sort of the process of actually executing it. So, for example, I'll go back to brushing your teeth. Um, if you think about brushing your teeth, just make sure that your toothbrush is on, you know, the corner of your sink and that will prompt you um, to engage in the habit. Don't worry about how long you brush or what your technique looks like. That will take care of itself. And because, by and large, these are habits that we've engaged in before, um, your body and your mind will remember what it was like to do them, just like it remembers how to ride a bike. So if you can just focus on the little cue you need to get started, um, you'll likely get right back into that seat and hit the ground running. Okay, but you're addressing really one of my concerns here is, and this is weird because, you know, in terms of my life, the pandemic has not been that significant amount of time, but I feel like I've... I've I've forgotten, you know, how to be at a cocktail party. I just don't know if I know how to do it anymore. Yeah, and that's so what a what a perfect um, example to use, because my question to you would be, and I'm going to operate on the assumption that you would like to socialize with someone. And if if the answer to that is yes, and, and you think a big party um, is too big of a leap for you, then you could, you know, meet a couple of friends um, in someone's backyard to to have a conversation. and. Often, um, you just need one icebreaker. And people use icebreakers pre-pandemic. And to be honest with you, everyone is feeling this sort of clumsy, awkward apprehension around how to socialize again. Let that be your icebreaker. Um, it can be something as simple as like, wow, it's so great to see people in person without having a screen wrapped around your face. And other people will relate to that. Um, and so all you need, similar to that toothbrush on the side of your counter analogy, is just one line that's going to give you the entry point. And because you've already thought about who these people are and decided that you want to engage with them, you can trust that you'll shake off the cobwebs for most people within the first 15 to 20 minutes of that, com of that conversation. And you'll remind yourself um, th that aspect of your life that you were missing when it wasn't available to you. Isn't there also kind of a, a flip side, or or maybe you actually even see this as related somehow. But I mean, there there are, as I you know outlined, the the percentage of people who are feeling some anxiety. But there's also kind of a you know a slingshot effect. We've been sort of you know held back for so long, and we're seeing you know in other places that are a little more further open, like New York City, where you know the, at Washington Square there's this giant rave that seems to be bubbling up because people want to get out and they want to do things and there's going to be an exhibitionism and just kind of you know there's going to be that element to it as well. How do you you know how do you factor that in? In terms of individual decision making, again, um, it ties back down to what are you comfortable with? And as you, you know, if people are listening right now and they hear that example and reference to exhibitionism, they think, oh, my goodness, um, how do I avoid those scenarios? One, you can plan to go to locations or um, gatherings where it's not conducive to that many people. Or two, you just create the sort of rule for yourself that either if I see too many people or if I start to feel anxious, I have an exit plan. Um, most often, if you enter a social situation, you can leave it as, as quickly as you entered. And one of the things that I often say from a you know, public safety standpoint is that um, as we see more and more people outside, I'm happy. That's the safest place to be. 
Um, and that's also something to remind ourselves of that, you know, seeing people connecting with others and engaging in activities in a way that we know is safe is actually um, what we would all hope for. Mm. Is Do you relate the, you know, and I'm not talking necessarily about being, you know, unsafe in terms of COVID protocols, but do you, do you equate the sort of, you know, I'm going to just get out there and just really do all of the things I, I haven't been able to do or all the things that I've, I've always wanted to do. Do you, do you equate that almost uh, as almost part of this anxiety, like a, a way of dealing with this anxiety that we, we have this need to, oh, I want to go out there and just do everything all at once? Yeah, so there, that, that makes me think of two different things. And one is sort of exposure therapy. Um, and And I use that principle in different areas of my life where I say to myself, this is something I want to do. Um, it's how I started to get into public speaking. Every time I would stand there, I would be sweaty and nervous. But when you expose yourself enough time, um, it, that, that anxiety melts away to a certain degree. And so for some, that like slingshot effect, as you put it, is their strategy to cope with anxiety. Similarly, when we see people out and about and connecting, it may actually, you know, not, not everyone will share that same level of anxiety. And it may be that the past 15 months have taught people how much they value um, autonomy of choice and connecting with others. So they're actually quite purposefully seeking out any and every opportunity to engage. We just quickly address the uh, back to work situation for a lot of people. I think, you know, later in the fall, it looks like, you know, back into the office in some kind of hybrid way. And for there's a lot of anxiety around that, just the kind of the small talk and that sort of encounter in the hallway, water cooler thing. Could you just address how people deal with that? Yeah, I think that first and foremost, I would remind people, you know, the transition to working from home was anxiety inducing and hard. And Different workplaces will have a different structure, whether or not that's possible. But um, remember the things, one, that you enjoyed about being in the office pre-COVID, and two, the benefit that that brought for you. So, for example, that water cooler chat um, either gives us, you know, a little bit of time to decompress, or it's often where most of our creative ideas and collaboration comes from. So it's not just the chat in and of itself. Um, if we zoom in, though, to that, you know, anxiety or apprehension people might feel as they're walking into a shared workspace, the same sort of um, strategies apply. So, you know, you can connect around something to do with work. You can connect around shared experiences. Um, but again, I would encourage people to remember that, especially with the numbers that you gave at the beginning of this segment, you know, most people are feeling the same way. And if you connect around that, you're actually going to diffuse the tension, not just for yourself, but for other people. And then finally, just trusting that, you know, as awkward as it feels right now, um, before you even realize it, you will get back into that habitual, automatic, don't even need to think about it sort of mentality. But ripping off the Band-Aid will be the hardest part. Great advice and great perspective. Laura, always great to talk with you. Thank you again for coming on. It was my pleasure. Take care. That is Laura DeVoe, who is a behavioral scientist, talking about the anxiety that many of us feel about heading back into some kind of a regular life. I don't know. how. You, how where do you put yourself on the scale? 
Like, what's going to happen? Like, if they say, not that they are, but if they, well, what if we were in Alberta? Like, they've said, what do they say, middle of July? They're just, everything is off. They're like, every single restriction is gone. Like, eventually, that's going to come here. Eventually, eventually, all of the restrictions will have been lifted. And then what are you going to do? Are you just going to run buck naked through the park because, hey, that's what the kids are doing? And then you find out, of course, kids aren't doing that. Just, you've misinterpreted it, and you're you're arrested. But you know what I mean. You know the, you know this kind of like I just want to do everything all at once. I I'm I'm having a hard time balancing that, that with just this deep fear of seeing people just casually again. Like, oh, how do I this small talk thing? I don't know about this, and. Ugh. I need to look at a screen. I need to look at my my phone dumb face on a screen like I'm on a Zoom call. Oh, that makes me feel better. Whew, there I am. It's me. 